0: This is a recording of Creator of the First Day, The Glossing of Lord of Sabaoth, in DNC ninety five seven 95.7, by Matthew L. Bowen, published in Interpreter, a Journal of Mormon Scripture, read by Steve Metcalf. Abstract The Calc name title, Lord of Sabaoth, echoing James 5.4, occurs four times in the Doctrine and Covenants, in Revelations given to the Prophet Joseph Smith, from December 25, 1832 to August 6, 1833. Of these occurrences, only D&C 95.7 offers a gloss, or interpretation, for the name the Lord of Sabaoth," which is, by interpretation, the creator of the first day, the beginning and the end. Upon close inspection, this explanation makes excellent sense from an ancient Israelite, ideological as well as perhaps an etymological standpoint. Past criticisms of the gloss in DNC ninety five seven 95.7 have focused on the wrongly assumed incongruity of first day and sebeoth, hosts, and have neglected function of the divine name Yahweh in titles, most often represented in scripture by the term Lord, as in the Calc name title Lord of hosts. Understanding the connection between Yahweh, the form of which suggests the meaning He creates, He brings into existence, He brings to pass, the divine counsel, the host, creation, on the first day, or day one, and the underlying grammatical meaning of Lord of hosts, which equals Yahweh Sabaoth, i.e., that is, He creates the heavenly hosts, or He brings to pass the heavenly hosts, is crucial to understanding the calc, Lord of Sebeoth," and the explanation given in D&C 95.7. When considered in its entirety... This revealed gloss is right on target. The creation begetting of the heavenly hosts was associated with the first day, or day one, in ancient Israelite thought. They are described as finished or fully prepared by the end of the six creative periods, or days, in Genesis 2.1. Additionally, Lord of Sebaoth, or Yahweh Sebaoth, is to be understood in connection with the similarly constructed name title Yahweh Elohim, meaning He creates gods. He causes gods to be, or he brings to pass gods. The meristic positive title, The Beginning and the End, implies that Yahweh is not only the author-creator of Israel and its salvation, but the finisher thereof. Far from evidence of Joseph Smith's lack of knowledge of Hebrew, the interpretive gloss in D&C 95.7 constitutes evidence of Joseph's ability to obtain correct translations and interpretations through Revelation. He creates the heavenly hosts, glossing Lord of Sabaoth, references in the doctrine and covenants to cries, mourning, fasting, and especially prayers that have come up unto DNC eighty seven seven eighty eight two ninety five seven or entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth ninety eight two immediately recall the language of James 5. four. Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Greek Kyrios Sabaoth. On a basic level, the Greek Kyrios Sabaoth and its English rendering, Lord of Sabaoth, both represent a calc of the Hebrew name title Yahweh Sabaoth, often translated Lord of hosts. However, the explanation given in DNC ninety five seven that Lord of Sabaoth is by interpretation the creator of the first day, the beginning and the end, invites us to consider the name's significance beyond its being a mere calc on Lord of hosts, such that Sabaoth, which equals Hebrew hosts, and an allusion to James 4. The historical relationship between the name Yahweh, its shorter, older form Yah, and the Mesopotamian god Enkis Cognomen, Ea, remains an open question. David Noel Friedman and Michael P. O'Connor conclude that the consensus of modern scholarship supports the biblical text in associating the name Yahweh with the root hi Within the last several decades, scholarship on the divine name Yahweh, often represented in English translation as Lord, has suggested that it is a causative imperfect of the Canaanite proto-Hebrew verb yava, to be, and meant he creates, or he who causes to happen. If so, the fuller form of the name Yahweh, Yahweh Sabaoth, Lord of Sabaoth, would mean, as Frank Moore Cross has suggested, he creates the divine hosts. Although a paucity of attested causative forms of Yahweh warrants some caution, Cross's theory makes good grammatical sense of the divine name's function within its fuller title forms, especially Yahweh Sabaoth, and Yahweh Elohim. Margaret Parker has further argued that the heavenly hosts were originally identified with the first day of creation, or Day 1, on the basis of Jubilees 2 2, Job 38 7, Proverbs 8, Isaiah 40, and other evidence. In this short study, I will endeavor to show that the gloss offered in DNC 95 7 for Lord of Sabaoth, that is, Yahweh, as creator of the first day, the beginning and the end, makes good sense in terms of ancient Israelite ideology, if not from an actual historical etymological standpoint, and represents an example of the prophet Joseph Smith's ability to obtain correct translations and explanations by revelation. Yahweh, or the Lord of Sabaoth, was in fact the creator of the first day, or in other words, he who creates the divine hosts, or he who causes the divine hosts, to be on day one. Two Yahwehs. A note. For my purposes here, I will acknowledge a formal distinction between two divine personages who can be called Yahweh, God the Father, who can be called Yahweh Sabaoth in the latter-day saint doctrinal sense of Father of Spirits, Hebrews 12:9), Father of Lights, James 1, 17, or the Father of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Ephesians 3:14 through 15 and the Son, Jesus Christ, who can be called the Yahweh Sabaoth, who brings to pass the Father's plan for the spirits, hosts, or family. In other words, I will distinguish here between the one with whom the word of command originates, that is, the Father, as architect or source, and the Son, who, as executive, embodies that word of command in bringing to pass. In First 1 Nephi 11.6, a personage described as the Spirit acclaims Hosanna to the Lord, that is Yahweh, the Most High God, and pronounces Nephi blessed for his faith in the Son of the Most High God. See also Third Nephi 4.32. El Elyon, the Most High God, is often regarded as referring to God the Father, Deuteronomy 32.7-9, Mark 5.7, Luke 1.32. While throughout scripture, the title Lord, that is Yahweh, is applied often to the Son, the Yahweh of Deuteronomy 32.9, whose portion or lot is Israel. The name Yahweh, as used throughout this paper, will almost uniformly refer to Jesus Christ, the Son. He bringeth to pass the Lord, or Yahweh, as Creator. The English syntax of the calved name title, Lord of Sabaoth, that is, A of B, is clearly paralleled in the gloss, the creator of the first day. In other words, the phrase, the creator, constitutes the intended parallel to Lord, and the first day corresponds in some way to Sabaoth. The epithet, the beginning and the end, is in a positive. Critics of the Prophet Joseph Smith, in deriding the explanation for Lord of Sabaoth, given in D&C 95.7, incorrectly assume that there is no connection at all between Sebaoth, or Hos, creation, and the first day, day one. Moreover, they completely overlook the importance of the term Lord, or Yahweh, in Lord of Sebaoth. All previous analyses that I am aware of have overlooked the fact that Yahweh, the Hebrew underlying the Lord element, was not simply the first part of a genitive of restriction or relation construction. This one follows the proposition that Yahweh may have originally constituted a verbal form, such as, He creates, He makes happen, or He brings to pass. If the ancient Israelites understood the declaration, I am the Lord, ani Yahweh, I am Jehovah, to mean, I am He who makes things happen, or I am He who brings things to pass. We can more fully appreciate what Lehi was trying to articulate when he said that the Lord not only hath created all things, both the heavens and the earth, and all things that in them are, both things to act and things to be acted upon, but also allowed for an opposition in all things, to bring about his eternal purposes in the end of man. Second Nephi 2 Nephi 2.14-15 He mentions this in the context of his earlier statement that the Holy Messiah would bring to pass the resurrection of the dead. Second Nephi 2 Nephi eight Opposition and resurrection were an essential part of a planned process in which righteousness was brought to pass. 2 Nephi 2.11 And happiness, misery, and good, bad, eventuated from what was originally compound in one. Abinadi alluded to Lehi's teachings and evidently had the name Yahweh in mind when he declared to Noah and his priests that God himself should bring to pass the resurrection of the dead. Mosiah 13.34-35 as Brownlee has noted, the aforementioned phrase, I am Yahweh, often occurs in the context of threats and promises. This best explains Abinadi's threat to the same group. And it shall come to pass, Hebrew vuhia, that the life of King Noah shall be valued even as a garment in a hot furnace, for he shall know that I am the Lord, that is, I am he who makes things happen, or I am he who brings things to pass. Mosiah 12.3, compare to 12.34. So too one of his earliest prophetic pronouncements to Noah's people, and it shall come to pass, Vuhayah, that they shall know that I am the Lord their God, and am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of my people. Mosiah 11.22, quoting Exodus 25, Deuteronomy 5.9, compare to Mosiah 13.13. Lehi's and Abinadi's language was reiterated by later Book of Mormon prophets who taught that Jesus' bringing to pass the resurrection fulfilled an important function of the atonement. See Mosiah 18.2, Alma 12.25, Alma 33.22, Helaman 14.15, and compare to Mormon 7.7. He hath brought to pass the redemption of the world. Let there be the word of my power. The Joseph Smith translation Genesis Version of the account of the creation and the Fall is framed by the phrase "Word of my power moses one thirty two thirty five two five and the use of the solemn oath formula for as I the Lord God liveth, even so my words cannot return void, for as they go forth out of my mouth, they must be fulfilled moses four thirty this framework, a literary inclusio gives added context to the Lord's calling this earth into existence, or organizing it. The Joseph Smith Translation, Genesis Version, of the account of the creation and the fall, is framed by the phrase, Word of my power. Moses one thirty two one thirty five two five, 2.5 And the use of the solemn oath formula, For as I, the Lord God, liveth, even so my words cannot return void. For as they go forth out of my mouth, they must be fulfilled. Moses 4.30 this framework, a literary inclusio, gives added context to the Lord's calling this earth into existence or organizing it by word in Genesis 1, Moses 2. God creates the world to use the old Latin and Vulgate phraseology by fiat: "Let there be." The Hebrew expression that underlies English "Let there be" and Latin "Fiat" is the third-person jussive form of Hebrew, hey yod hey yahi whence ancient Israelites derived the name Yahweh. See especially Exodus 3.14. The Genesis 1-Moses 2 text seems to revolve around the idea that God causes to be what is, the ideological meaning of the name Yahweh. In the language of the psalmist, By the word of the Lord, Budabar, Yahweh, were the heavens made, and all the host of them, Shaba'am, by the breath of his mouth. Psalm thirty three six. Referring to the Lord's declaration that he had already made Abraham a father of many nations, see Genesis 17.5, Paul describes the Lord as God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as they were. Referring to the Lord's declaration that he had already made Abraham a father of many nations, see Genesis 17.5, Paul describes the Lord as God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Romans 4.17 The logic here is that God, by word, calls into being or calls into existence. The divine word goes forth out of the Lord's mouth and cannot return void, but is wholly fulfilled. Moses 4.30 Compared to Alma 12.23 Hebrews 11.3 expresses a similar idea. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Of all the gospel writers, John is the most eager to use the word speech imagery in describing Jesus as creator. John, perhaps as a response to Philo's description of a deified Logos and against contemporary Gnosticism, appropriates Philo's Logos terminology imagery. John situates us back on day one. In the beginning, in arche. Was the Word, ho logos, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, panta de oto egenito, or all things through Him came to pass. And without Him was not anything made that was made. John 1:1 through 13. The text emphasizes the thoroughness of the pre-mortal Christ's involvement in creation. The richness of this passage owes much to the range of meaning for Logos, which, beyond word, denotes thought, reason, or subject under discussion. Logos, as a presentation of controversial subjects, or matter under discussion, compare Hebrew davar, meaning word, matter, thing, invokes the idea of the divine counsel and discussion over the divine plan of salvation that had been presented, that is, among the Elohim, which is the Hebrew plural, the gods. As confirmed by the use of the plural verb, niglu, they appeared, were revealed. Bene ha, Elohim, sons of God. Alim, Hebrew gods, rather than King James Version, congregation. Bene alim, Hebrew, sons of gods, rather than sons of might or sons of the mighty. Adat el, assembly of God. Kahal Kedoshim, Hebrew, Assembly of the Holy Ones, Sod Kedoshim, Hebrew, Council of the Holy Ones, rather than Assembly of the Saints, or the Sheba Shebaot, Hos, brought forth in the beginning or on day one. The Joseph Smith translation of John 1 adds an entirely new dimension to the concept of the Logos discussion or Divine Council. In the beginning was the gospel preached through the Son, and the gospel was the Word, and the Word was with the Son, and the Son was with God, and the Son was of God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made which was made. Joseph Smith Translation of John 1, 1 1-3 The gospel as embodiment of the plan of salvation was originally proclaimed, preached, or championed by the Son in the divine council, that is, the premortal heavenly councils. The Son's role as creator or maker of all things, including worlds without number, is inextricably linked to his role as redeemer, or in the language of William Tyndale, a tone Maker of the entire creation of which the temple is a scale model. John uses a distinct temple image when he describes the Son's incarnation, and the word was made flesh, and dwelt. Eskinozen, literally tented or tabernacled, among us. John 1, 14, compared to Mosiah 2, 5. For behold, the time cometh, and is not far distant, that with power the Lord Omnipotent who reigneth, who was and is from all eternity to all eternity, shall come down from heaven among the children of men, and shall dwell in a tabernacle of clay. Essential to the process of bringing the human family to perfection was that the creator of the first day would gain experience in Alma's words according to the flesh in order to know how to succor his people according to their infirmities, Alma 7.12, and succor them that are tempted, Hebrews 2.18. He creates gods, Yahweh Elohim. Recognizing that the Lord Sabaoth is the creator of the first day, the beginning and the end, D&C 95.7, and thus he who creates the divine hosts, the one who labors to bring about his eternal purposes in the end of man, 2 Nephi 2.15. We can appreciate, on analogy, the function of the related name title, the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, in the Garden of Eden story. William H. Brownlee has suggested that the name title, Yahweh Elohim, prominent in Genesis 2-3, through means He Creates Gods. The Genesis story culminates with the expulsion of Adam and Eve for disobedience. But the text admits the following. And the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, He creates gods, said, Behold, the man is become, Hiyach, as one of us. Kiachad mimenu, to know good and evil. Genesis 3.22, Moses 4.28. In other words, Adam and Eve had become like Elohim, members of the divine council in terms of their ability to differentiate between good and evil. The pair had not yet become Elohim, but had taken a step in that direction. They had begun to exercise the agency formally bestowed on them in Moses 3.17. But the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. Nevertheless, thou mayest choose for thyself, for it is given unto thee. But remember that I forbid it, for in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. They had begun to choose for themselves, and were thus agents unto themselves. DNC 2939, 5828, 10417, Moses 656. The knowledge of good and evil constitutes the evident point of Lehi's instruction to Jacob. We note here Lehi's use of the name title Lord God from Genesis 2 through 3. And to bring about his eternal purposes in the end of man, Hebrew, Adam. After he had created our first parents, and the beasts of the field and the fowls of the air, it must needs be that there was an opposition, even the forbidden fruit in opposition to the tree of life, the one being sweet and the other bitter. Wherefore, the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, gave unto man that he should act for himself. Wherefore, man could not act for himself, save it should be that he was enticed by the one or the other. Second Nephi 2. 15 through 16. Lehi uses the name title Yahweh Elohim twice in his words to Jacob in 2 Nephi 2, here and in verse 21. Lehi understood and wanted Jacob to understand that the bringing about implicit in the name Yahweh Elohim would have been frustrated compared to Alma twelve twenty six forty two five if Adam and Eve did not act for themselves, and thus learn to distinguish between good and evil through experience. The First Day The first day mentioned in the gloss for Lord of Sabaoth, that is, in the creator of the first day, the beginning and the end, has a clear reference to Genesis one five and the first day, Yom Hechad, of creation. The Joseph Smith translation specifically connects the creative word of my power with Day 1, See Moses 2.5. The first day. The first day mentioned in the gloss for Lord of Sabaoth, that is, in the creator of the first day, the beginning and the end, has a clear reference in Genesis 1.5 and the first day, Yom Echad, of creation. The Joseph Smith translation specifically connects the creative word of my power with day one. See Moses 2.5. In ancient Israelite thought, however, the first day, or day one, involved more than just creative activity ascribed to it in Genesis 1. Margaret Barker has amassed evidence that the first day, day one, was specifically the day of the begetting or creation or organization of the hosts, that is, the spirits that reside in the presence of God. She cites the extra-canonical book of Jubilees, or the Little Genesis. For on the first day he created the heavens which are above, and the earth, and the waters, and all the spirits which serve before him the angels of the presence and the angels of sanctification and the angels of the spirit of fire and the angels of the spirit of the winds and the angels of the spirit of the clouds and of darkness and of snow and of hail and of hoar frost and the angels of the voices and of the thunder and of the lightning and the angels of the spirits of cold and of heat and of winter and of spring and of autumn and of summer and of all the spirits of his creatures which are in the heavens and on the earth. He created the abysses and the darkness, even tide and night, and the light, dawn and day, which he hath prepared in the knowledge of his heart. Jubilees 2.2, R. H. Charles, Translation. Jubilees clearly sees the creation or begetting of the angels of the divine presence or hosts of heaven as belonging to the first day or day one it should be noted that the biblical account remark that following the six creative periods thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host Shabba-am, of them genesis two one moses three one the term host here refers not just to heavenly astronomical bodies but also to the heavenly beings with whom astronomical bodies were often associated see job thirty eight seven abraham three One way of understanding that the term finished with respect to the host here is that they were ready or prepared. In the book of Job, which itself can be viewed as a temple text that imparts esoteric temple teaching through Job's experience, Yahweh asked Job where he was. Where wast thou? Epa ha'yita on day one, when I laid the foundations of the earth. Be'oz arish, and when the morning stars... Cokave, Boker sang together, and all the sons of God, Benay Elohim, shouted for joy. The begetting or organizing of the children of God, the B'nai Elohim, happened on day one, the first day. Writes Parker. In Job thirty-eight seven, however, we still read of the sons of God who shouted for joy. In Job thirty-eight seven, however, we still read of the sons of God who shouted for joy on the first day of creation, when the foundations of the earth were laid. And sons of God implies that they were begotten, not created. The rest of Job 38 describes the works of day one, the boundary for the waters, the gates of deep darkness, the storehouses of snow and hail, wind, rain, and ice, the pattern of the stars. And the point of all this is to ask Job, where were you when all this was done? A strange question for the Lord to ask Job unless there was a known tradition of someone who witnessed the work of creation and thus became wise. The creation language of Isaiah 40 may also reflect the esoterica of the ancient Jerusalem temple and its symbols. The text begins in the divine council with the voices of two personages speaking, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God, speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Isaiah 41 through 3. The voice said, Cry, and he said, What shall I cry? Isaiah 46. This scene resembles the Jerusalem temple and divine council, that is, Holy of Holies, setting of Isaiah 6 and the council discussion. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. Isaiah six eight compared to especially Abraham three twenty seven. Isaiah was a temple priest, perhaps even a high priest, who was called to prophesy and preach repentance. See especially Alma thirteen. The expression foundations of the earth, have ye not understood from the foundations Mosadof of the earth? Also situates the creation language of Isaiah forty in holy of holies. Of the temple, the temple itself being a scale model of creation. The foundation of the world was especially associated with the divine council, the premortal councils in heaven. In other words, the sod, plan or council, was at the musad, yesod, foundation. The temple building imagery here is evident. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and meted out, or tikin, heaven with the span? and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance who hath directed the spirit of the lord or being his counsellor hath taught him with whom took ye counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding behold the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing, and Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beasts thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are accounted to him less than nothing and vanity. To whom, then, will ye liken God? Or what likeness will ye compare unto him? The workman melteth a graven image, and the goldsmith spreadeth it over with gold, and casteth silver chains he that is so impoverished that he hath no oblation chooseth a tree that will not rot he seeketh unto him a cunning workman to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved have ye not known have ye not heard hath it not been told you from the beginning have ye not understood from the foundations of the earth it is he that sitteth upon he yoshub al the one enthroned over above the circle of the earth Haaretz. and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain doke septuagint kamaran equals vaulted chamber and spreadeth them out as a tent ohel to dwell in that bringeth the princes to nothing he maketh the judges of the earth as vanity yea they shall not be planted yea they shall not be sown yea their stock shall not take root in the earth and he shall also blow upon them and they shall wither, and the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. To whom then will ye liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold who hath created, bara, these things, that bringeth out their host, sheba'am by number. He calleth them all by names by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Isaiah forty twelve through 26 as Barker notes, the Targum of Isaiah 4021 expressly identifies this text as a revelation of the process of creation, the work service of the orders of in the beginning creation, Wibid Sidri Vereshit. Not only does this text use temple-building imagery, but it describes Yahweh Himself as sitting or enthroned above the circle of the earth in the celestial world, that is, the holy of holies. Like Lehi, when he experienced a throne vision at his call to be a prophet, the recipients of the message in Isaiah forty are commanded to lift up your eyes on high and to behold or look upon the Creator and the heavenly hosts isaiah forty twenty six Yahweh's throne and his heavenly attendants were depicted in remarkably vivid ways in both the tabernacle and the temple. Whether the doke mentioned in isaiah forty twenty two represents a curtain as it is usually referred in English, or a dome or vaulted chamber, as suggested in the Septuagint, we are dealing with temple-building imagery. Isaiah further mentions that Yahweh brings out the host of the heavens by number and by name. Isaiah 40.26 We are here reminded how Enoch describes the Lord's creation to the Lord himself. And were it possible that man could number the particles of the earth, yea, millions of earths like this, it would not be a beginning to the number of thy creations, and thy curtains are stretched out still. Moses 7.30 And of the Lord's statement to Moses, For behold, there are many worlds that have passed away by the word of my power, and there are many that now stand, and innumerable are they unto man. But all things are numbered unto me, for they are mine, and I know them. The heavens they are many, and they cannot be numbered unto man but they are numbered unto me, for they are mine. Moses 1, 37. Isaiah's use of the image of tent, moreover, evokes the Ohel Moed, the tent of the meeting, or, King James Version, the tabernacle of the congregation, which was revealed to Moses. Isaiah uses this temple image elsewhere to describe the house of Israel. See especially Isaiah fifty four two. Last, the divine council scenes presented in Isaiah 6, Isaiah 40, and Job 38 are similar in content to Abraham's vision of the premortal existence and the spirits or intelligences that stood in the divine presence in the beginning or on day one. Abraham's vision notes the organizing or begetting of the premortal hosts of the human family, which he learned differ from each other in their degree of intelligence, the hosts of astronomical bodies, the stars, differ from one another in glory. Abraham 3:16 through 19 He records, I, the Lord, dwell in the midst of them all, that is, the spirits or hosts. I now, therefore, have come down unto thee to declare unto thee the works which my hands have made, wherein my wisdom excelleth them all. For I rule in the heavens above and in the earth beneath, in all wisdom and prudence over all the intelligences thine eyes have seen from the beginning i came down in the beginning in the midst of all the intelligence thou hast seen now the lord had shown unto me abraham the intelligences that were organized before the world was that is as a part of day one and among all these there were many of the noble and great ones and god saw these souls that they were good and he stood in the midst of them and he said these i will make my rulers for he stood among those that were spirits and he saw that they were good and he said unto me abraham thou art one of them thou wast chosen before thou wast born and there stood one among them that was likened to god and he said unto those who were with him that is the hosts we will go down for there is space there and we will take of these materials and we will make an earth whereon these may dwell and we will prove them herewith to see if they will do all things whatsoever the Lord their God shall command them. And they who keep their first estate shall be added upon. And they who keep not their first estate shall not have glory in the same kingdom with those who keep their first estate. And they who keep their second estate shall have glory added upon their heads forever and ever. And the Lord said, Whom shall I send? And one answered like unto the Son of Man, Here am I, send me. And another answered and said, Here am I, send me. And the Lord said, I will send the first, and the second was angry, and kept not his first estate, and at that day many followed after him. Abraham three twenty one through twenty eight. The mention of intelligences that were organized before the world was evokes in a dramatic way the pre existent wisdom Chokmah described in Proverbs eight. This pre existent wisdom was there when Yahweh appointed, decreed the foundations of the earth. Aretz, proverbs eight twenty seven twenty nine it she was at that time by him in the habitable part of his earth and whose delights were with the sons of men that is the premortal host of human beings in other words in the beginning or on day one wisdom delighted in the premortal sons of men as intelligence hence they constituted intelligences indeed as described elsewhere Man was also in the beginning with God. Intelligence, or the light of truth, was not created or made. Neither, indeed, can be. d 93.29 Thus, Abraham's account of his vision describes the premortal intelligences, the hosts, compared to Zebaoth as being organized and good, that is, morally good and ready for mortality. Some of them are already described as gods, abraham for one it clearly delineates their raison d'etre to be proven or tested as to their willingness to obey all divine commandments and having proven true and faithful in all things to have glory added upon their heads forever as gods abraham three twenty six compare to yahweh elohim he creates brings to pass gods all of this stands as a preface to the gods going down in Abraham 4, 1 through 4, and completing the work of day 1, the first day, or the first or beginning of that which they called day and night, Abraham 4, 5. As a whole, Abraham three eleven through 4, 1 perhaps constitutes the best possible articulation of the long-term purpose of the creative activity implicitly ascribed to the Lord of Sabaoth as the creator of the first day in d ninety five seven. it is within the long-range conceptual framework of eternal salvation, that is, the Lord's covenants with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and his subsequent creation of Israel, see especially Jacob 5. I am the creator of Israel. When he initially commissioned Moses as the prophet to gather, organize, or create Israel as a people, Yahweh, Jehovah, gave Moses a special name as a sign or token that he really had been sent by Yahweh. As God said unto Moses, I am that I am, Eiei Asher, Eiei. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am, Eiei, has sent me unto you. Exodus 3.14 like Genesis 1-3, through 3, the language of Exodus 3.14 seeks meaning for the name Yahweh in terms of the verb he-yod-hey, hey, to be or to become. The meanings of eyyeh asher eyyeh and eyyeh are ambiguous, probably deliberately ambiguous. There has been no shortage of controversy and debate regarding possible meaning. Douglas K. Stewart suggests that what the New International Version Bible necessarily translates as, I am who I am, probably was actually heard by Moses as, I cause to be, because I cause to be. The expression, "Ehyeh asher Ehyeh" is markedly alliterative, and the first letter in all three words is aleph, the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet, further emphasizing that Yahweh Ehyeh is the beginning. The name title, Aye, or I Am, is invoked later in Hosea 1.9, when Yahweh temporarily repudiates the apostate Israelites of the northern kingdom. Then said God, Call his name Loami, for ye are not my people, and I will not be your God, King James Version. Or, rendered better, I am not ye to you, that is, I am not your Aye, I am not your I Am. As Friedman and O'Connor note, this word is commonly understood as a first-person singular imperfect. There is some evidence, however, that this may be a popular interpretation and that the form may be, in fact, be identical with Yahweh with the shift Y. In support of this, they cite the shift evident in Western Semitic or Amorite names. Thus, they conclude, the form EYE may be equivalent to Yahweh, that is, a causative form. All of this suggests that Yahweh's declaration In Exodus 3.14, He-yod-hey, Shir-hey-yod-hey, could be taken to mean, I will bring to pass what I cause to be. At the Jerusalem temple, during the Feast of the Tabernacles, Jesus clearly identifies himself as Yahweh, or Eye, in Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was I am. Greek, Ego, Amen. John 8.58 Jesus was identifying himself with the one who revealed himself to Moses, Septuagint, Exodus 3.14, Ego, Amen, Hoan, and the one who called the promise that Abraham would become a father of many nations, as though it had already happened, Genesis 17.5, Romans 4.17. The text of DNC thirty eight one connects the name titles, The Lord, that is, Yahweh, Jehovah, I AM, Alpha and Omega, with the heavenly hosts, or spirit children of God. Thus saith the Lord, Yahweh your God, even Jesus Christ, the great I AM, that is the great AA, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the same which looked upon the wide expanse of eternity, and all the seraphic hosts of heaven, before the world was made. D&C 38.1. Yahweh's creating or begetting Israel in the wilderness was, in a sense, a replication or reenactment of the first day or day one when Jacob became Yahweh's portion and the lot of his inheritance. See especially Deuteronomy 32, 8-10, 18. The subsequent revelation and building of the tabernacle in seven days mirrored the creation that began on and followed day one. The term Shabbat Shabbat Hosts is repeatedly associated with the creation of Israel as a nation. Yahweh's first act in creating Israel was to bring them through the Red Sea and out of Egypt. The text of Exodus 6 notes, The Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, and gave them a charge unto the children of Israel, and unto Pharaoh king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Exodus 6.13 there follows an enumeration of the heads of the tribal families, 6.14 through 25, following which the text states These are that Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt according to their armies, Shivi Otum or Hos, Exodus 6.26. Regarding Israel's exodus from Egypt and entry into the wilderness, Exodus 12.41 reads, and it came to pass at the end of the four hundred and thirty years, even the selfsame day it came to pass, that all the hosts of the Lord, Shavot Yahweh, went out from the land of Egypt. Israel, as the hosts of the Lord, represented an earthly version of the host or host of heaven. 1 Kings 22.19, D&C one d D&C 38.11, D&C 88.112, compared to DNC c 2936, and its captain. The Beginning and the End. In the Hebrew Bible, the idea that Yahweh is the beginning and the end becomes prominent in Isaiah. I, the Lord, Ani Yahweh, the first, Rishon, and with the last, Viet Aharonim, I am, Ani Hu, Isaiah 41.4, I am the first, Ani Rishon, and I am the last. Ani Acharon, and beside me there is no God. 44.6. I am He, Ani Hu. I am the first, Ani Rishon. I am the last, Ani Acharon. 48.12. These same callocations could be rendered, in essence, I am the beginning and the end. The name title, The Beginning and the End, constitutes what is sometimes called a merismus which can take the form of a doublet of a special kind, in which a pair of polarized concepts represents inclusiveness. An off-sided example of Marismus is the pair heaven and earth, which denotes everything. Another example is the Egyptian expression for everything, N-T-T-I-W-T-T, what is and is not, which, as Nibley put it, essentially means everything I know and everything I don't know. In other words, the true sum of reality, the real everything. How does all of this correlate with the Lord of Sabaoth being the creator of the first day, the beginning and the end? To say that Yahweh is the beginning and the end is to say that his creative role in commencing creation and bringing it to completion is both circumscribing and thoroughgoing. Perhaps the best summation of the meaning of titles Yahweh, I Am, lord of sebaoth he creates brings to pass the heavenly hosts he creates gods etc is to be found in the preface to doctrine and covenants thirty eight thus saith the lord yahweh your god even jesus christ the great i am that is alpha and omega the beginning and the end the same which looked upon the wide expanse of eternity and all the seraphic hosts of heaven before the world was made, that is, day one. D&C 38.1 The creation of the divine hosts involved more than simply bringing spirits into existence, the Father's unique role, but bringing to pass or making every stage of their development happen, including their mortality and resurrection from the dead. This was and is the responsibility of the one designated Yahweh from the beginning all the way to the end. Yahweh's bringing to pass or making happen is not said to end there. Since the heavenly hosts also refers to stars and planetary bodies, the name title Lord of hosts or Lord of Sabaoth also refers to Yahweh's bringing worlds in and out of existence. For behold, there are many worlds that have passed away by the word of my power, and there are many that now stand, and innumerable are they unto man. But all things are numbered unto me, for they are mine, and I know them. Moses 1.35 and the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, spake unto Moses, saying, The heavens, they are many, and they cannot be numbered unto man, but they are numbered unto me, for they are mine. And as one earth shall pass away, and the heavens thereof, even so shall another come, and there is no end to my works, neither to my words. Moses one thirty-seven through 38 That the creator of the first day, the beginning and the end, is the one who causes to happen, creating worlds and causing them to pass away by the word of his power, Moses 135, is key to understanding Christ's role in bringing to pass the resurrection of the dead, 2 Nephi 2.8. The author and finisher. The epithets, the beginning and the end, D&C 95.7, the first and the last, Alpha and Omega, suggest both the idea of the one who commences creation, but also the one that brings it to completion. The author of Hebrews appeals to this idea in describing Jesus' role in the salvation of the human family. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, our kegon kai tele of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews 12.2 In the language of Peter, in Acts 3.15, Jesus was the archegon, tas zoes, prince, or author of life, that is, the author of eternal life. Earlier in Hebrews, the same word pair, forms of archegos, teleiotes, describe Jesus, the archegos, undergoing his own process of perfection, completion, or full ritual initiation. For it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain archagon of their salvation perfect tele e osai through sufferings hebrews to ten in the twofold use of this word pair perhaps there is an orthographic pun on aleph that is a and tov tau that is t the first and last letters of the hebrew alphabet compared to the name title alpha and omega Aleph delving from an ox's head, and the Greek tau, or t, deriving from the Semitic, that is Phoenician tau, whence the Hebrew tau also derives. In at least one important passage in the Hebrew Bible, the tau itself serves as a marker or seal, identifying those in Jerusalem who were devoted to, and thus truly belonged, to Yahweh, vis-a-vis those idolaters who do not. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark, Vahi Tevi Te Ta, literally, and Ta Ata, upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. Ezekiel 9 4. But come not near any man upon whom is the mark, Ata, literally, the Ta Tav, and begin at my sanctuary. Ezekiel 9 6. The mark or taw mentioned by the Lord here is undoubtedly the X-shaped taw of the Paleo-Hebrew script. In other words, those who had been sealed or marked bore an X-shaped mark on their countenance. Alma the Younger's questions, Have you received his image in your countenances? Alma 5.14 And can you look up having the image of God and Craven on your countenances? Alma 5.14 Express a related idea that is, being sealed with Yahweh's distinguishing mark. Thus you are finished, fully initiated, or perfect in Christ, the finisher. Moroni 10.33-34 It is further possible that Alma is using the same idea when he exhorts his son, Corianton. Now, my son, I would that you should repent and forsake your sins, and go no more after the lusts, Hebrew, compared to Kibroth Hata Ava, Graves of Lust of your eyes, but cross yourself, that is, put on the ta, ta, ta yourself, compared to hita vita, ta, hata, in all these things, for except ye do this, ye can in no wise inherit the kingdom of God. O remember and take it upon you, and cross yourself in these things. Alma 39.9. If so, Alma has deployed a sublime wordplay. It should be further noted here that the Greek term rendered author in Hebrews 12.2 and as captain earlier in Hebrews 2.10 is archagos. In the Septuagint, the word archagos is used for political or military leaders of Israel. The author of Hebrews' use of this image harks back to Joshua 5 and the theophany in which Joshua sees the captain of Yahweh's hosts. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes, and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him, and said unto him, Art thou for us, or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay. But as captain of the host of the Lord, Hebrew, Shar Sheba Yahweh, compared to Yahweh Beot, Greek, Archis Strategos dinameos Kiryu, Am I now come? And Joshua fell on his face to the earth, and did worship, and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host, Shar-Sheba-Archis-Strategos-Kirio, said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for thy place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua five thirteen through 15 Joshua's proskinesis, Joshua fell on his face to the earth, and did worship before this divine being suggests that the captain of the host of the lord was none other than the lord himself this is further suggested by the captain's command that joshua loose thy shoe from off thy foot for the place whereon thou standest is holy the echo of moses in yahweh's presence is unmistakable the shared root word arche archegos archis strategos deserves additional attention the invocation of arche inevitably echoed the first phrase of Genesis 1 in the Septuagint and its description of creation in Arche, in the beginning, the same phrase invoked by John in the prologue to his gospel. The idea of Yahweh as author and finisher was important to the Nephites to the end as evident in Moroni's description of church members as relying alone upon the merits of Christ, who was the author and the finisher of their faith, Moroni 6.4. Yahweh's work and his glory, or work to his glory, Moses one thirty nine, is to bring about his eternal purposes in the end of man, Second 2 Nephi 2.15, that is, to bring to pass their immortal and eternal life, Moses one thirty nine, The finishing was accomplished through the atonement. As Jesus stated prior to his atonement, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish, tele i oso, his work, John 4.34, in the intercessory prayer prior to his suffering in Gethsemane, Jesus reported to his Father that he had finished, teleiosas, a e teleiosa, the work which thou gavest me to do. From the cross he declared, it is finished, telelestai, or as Joseph Smith's translation of Matthew twenty-seven fifty-four reports it, Father, it is finished, thy will is done. In a later description of how his atonement finishes the divine will, the Savior, as Yahweh, or I am, declared, I am Alpha and Omega, Christ the Lord, yea, even I am he, the beginning and the end, the Redeemer of the world. I have accomplished and finished the will of him whose I am, even the Father, concerning me, having done this, that I might subdue all things unto myself, retaining all power, even to the destroying of Satan and his works at the end of the world, and the last great day of judgment, which I shall pass upon the inhabitants thereof, judging every man according to his works and the deed which he hath done. DNC nineteen c 3 This text also describes how Yahweh is the end in the title, The Beginning and the End. He will make a complete end of Satan and his works at the end of the world such an end would not have been nor would be possible without the atonement and the resurrection see especially second nephi nine reflecting back on just what finishing the will of the father cost him the lord declared which suffering caused myself even god the greatest of all to tremble because of pain and to bleed at every pore and to suffer both body and spirit and would that i might not drink the bitter cup and shrink nevertheless glory be to the father and i partook and finished my preparations unto the children of men. d nineteen eighteen through 19, 18-19. As Paul stated twice to the Corinthians, ye are bought with a price. 1 Corinthians 6.20, 7.23. Christ partook and finished his preparations in order to finish and prepare the human family for the eternities, and to exalt as many of the spirit children of God as are willing to be exalted into the kingdom of God. Although the ultimate realization of the finishing blessings of Jesus Christ's atonement has not yet taken place, the faithful can look forward to the time described in Doctrine and Covenants 88, and again another angel shall sound his trump, which is the seventh angel, saying, It is finished, it is finished. The Lamb of God hath overcome and trodden the winepress alone, even the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God, DNC 88106. The Lord Jesus Christ, Yahweh, will make a full end of all nations, D&C 87.6, so that the cry of the saints and of the blood of the saints shall cease to come up into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth, D&C 87.7, that is, the beginning and the end, D&C 95.7. If we are to be perfect, finished, like the Father, Matthew 5.48, and the Son, Third Nephi 12.48, we must do and accede to the divine will. See Matthew 7.21 Conclusion The glossing of the calct name title, Lord of Sabaoth, the creator of the first day, the beginning and the end, makes very good sense from an historical etymological standpoint. He creates the heavenly hosts. We have noted that the creation or begetting of the heavenly hosts was closely associated with the first day, or day one. Thus, D.N.C. 95.7 constitutes yet another example of a revelation given through the prophet joseph smith getting it right the defect may not be in the interpretive gloss on lord of Sabaoth off yet there but in the knowledge of joseph smith's would-be interpreters the interpretive gloss on lord of sebeoth or yahweh sebeoth in d 95 7 takes the long view of the creative process that began in the beginning on the first day or day one with the beginning of the angels of the divine presence, the spirit sons and daughters of God. It can be further connected with the name title Lord God or Yahweh Elohim. He creates gods or he brings to pass gods in the story of Adam and Eve and the fall. Fall and mortal life are necessary for the full finishing of the heavenly hosts during the millennial day, the seventh day, compared to Genesis 2.1, Moses 3.1. The Lord of Sabaoth, or Lord of hosts, himself worked out the infinite atonement, so that he may bring to pass the resurrection of the dead, being the first that should rise. 2 Nephi 2.8 See also Mosiah 13.35, Alma 12.25, 33.22, Helaman 14.15 Thus bringing to pass every promise in the covenant of the Father. See Moroni 10.32-33 And finishing the heavenly hosts at least those who are true and faithful in all things as gods. This has been a recording of Creator of the First Day, The Glossing of the Lord of Sebaoth in D&C 95.7 by Matthew L. Bowen, originally published in Interpreter, A Journal of Mormon Scripture, Volume 22, 2016, read by Steve Metcalf. This audio recording is copyrighted under a Creative Commons license and may be freely distributed if it remains unchanged, The journal and its website are credited and is for non-commercial use. A printed version of this and many other articles and resources on Mormon scripture can be found at mormoninterpreter.com.